Good morning. My name is Gina Chalenpun. This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Proverbs. Please follow along in your Bible or use the screens. I'll be reading from chapter 9, verses 1 through 6, and 10 through 18 from the New Living Translation. Wisdom has built her house. She has carved its seven columns. She has prepared a great banquet, mixed the wines, and set the table. She has sent her servants to invite everyone to come. She calls out from the heights overlooking the city. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack good judgment, she says, come, eat my food, and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. Learn to use good judgment. Fear of the Lord is the foundation of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One results in good judgment. Wisdom will multiply your days and add years to your life. If you become wise, you will be the one to benefit. If you scorn wisdom, you will be the one to suffer. The woman named Folly is brash. She is ignorant and doesn't know it. She sits in her doorway on the heights overlooking the city. She calls out to men going by who are minding their own business. Come in with me, she urges the simple. To those who lack a judgment, she says, Stolen water is refreshing. Food eaten in secret tastes the best. But little do they know that the dead are there. Her guests are in the depths of the grave. The word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Julie Steele. I'm one of the pastors here at Evergreen. Thank you. Well, our uh, title today for our message is Choosing Wisely. And Proverbs is a book all about wisdom. We are in a series of Proverbs, and this book is thought to be kind of a textbook for young people and how to live right. Ephesians 5.15 says, Be careful then how you live, not as unwise people, but be wise. That's good advice, but it's the book of Proverbs that seems to give us a more full picture of what living a, a life of wisdom actually looks like. Now, it's interesting to note that wisdom is personified as a woman. I really like to point that out to my husband. But then, as we heard in the rest of Scripture, folly is also personified as a woman. So I just pick and choose what I like to point out. That's not it. There are several opinions on what this female symbolism could mean. It could be that it comes from the remains of a goddess myth, or it could be a way of affirming a feminine aspect to the divinity. God's qualities, although described predominantly in male terms throughout the Bible, also include a feminine creative order. Now, in the previous chapter to what we just heard, wisdom tells us that her value and instruction is beyond any earthly benefit. She says, the Lord created me, first of all, and I was made before the world began. Well, since wisdom comes from God, then it has always existed. And the first people that got an opportunity to have that choice between wisdom and folly were Adam and Eve. They did not choose wisely. Well, last week we looked at the seven things that God hates. And we saw that we were to be wise if we hated the same things as God. If you were here, I don't know if that kind of kept coming through to you this week. It did to me. Continuing to ask the question, Lord, what is it you hate that I don't? And how can I be more wise? 
Well, chapter 9 today closes the first main section of Proverbs because it summarizes chapters 1 through 8 in this banqueting imagery. We can all relate to food, right? From her visually prominent, solidly built hilltop mansion, wisdom summons guests to a life-giving feast featuring the knowledge of God. Now, in contrast, loud-mouthed but ignorant folly lies in wait at her doorway where she tempts well-intentioned passers-by to depart from their pathway to sample in secret her supposed sweeter but stolen fare. There is a choice to be made. We see that wisdom has built her house with seven columns. Now, there are some who think those seven columns are related or metaphors to the seven gifts of the Holy Spirit or the seven churches that are talked about in Revelation, or perhaps they are referring to the pillars of the earth, which are mentioned in Psalm 75. The point is that this house is built to last. It's not going anywhere. And inside this house, wisdom has prepared a great banquet mixed with wines and a table set. Now, other translations say she has prepared her meat as opposed to the banquet, but meat and wine were not usually consumed by common people back then, so this would be a very special meal. It's not just for the wealthy, it's not just for the popular, it's not just for those who make the cut in society, it is for the simple-minded who lack good judgment. I don't know about you, but I know I fit in that category. It's reminiscent of Jesus' parable, where he, after the honored guests, send their regrets to his banquet, he sends his servants out to invite everyone to come to the feast. You know, it seems like sometimes we think some are included and some are not in that banquet, that you have to be a certain way, you have to come up to certain standards, give up certain things. But this is telling us everybody is welcome to come to that banquet. Well, wisdom says, come in and eat the food and drink my wine. Leave your simple ways behind and begin to live. That phrase caught my attention. Begin to live. There seems to be an implication that until someone accepts the invitation to wisdom, that maybe they're not really living. They think they are, but they're living a different kind of life. They're living maybe a less than life. Do you ever feel like you have a less than could be or should be life? I think we all do at times. To really live means to find meaning in our struggles and our joys. Jesus said, I have come that you would have life to the full. That doesn't mean no troubles and no sorrows. Answering the invitation to wisdom offers us a life that is full, secure, and eternal, like this house wisdom built. Wisdom gives us the eyes to see what is good and life-giving. Without wisdom, 
we will miss living that full life. Now that the invitation to accept wisdom has happened, we are reminded again that the fear of God is the foundation for all wisdom. Now this is a healthy fear, the kind of fear that is an accurate understanding of who God is. It's having a sense of awe and reverence as he is just holy and the creator of all. This morning as I looked out my bedroom window at 5 a.m., I saw the most beautiful view of Mount Si. And every time I see that view, I am awestruck by God's creation and who he is, and it reminds me of who I am. God is God, and we are not. Much wisdom is just learning this very simple truth. I say that I believe God is God and that I am not, but then why do I try to take control of my life? And usually taking control of the life of my family members too, because I know what's best. I can see the whole picture, right? Well, clearly that is not true. And when I start thinking that, it shows how unwise I am. Verse 12 here makes it clear that choosing wisdom is going to benefit you. However, scorning it will cause suffering. There's nothing neutral about this choice. I think of Mary, who's three, and at this young age, her parents are trying to instill in her the benefits of choosing wisely. And when we're trying to decide on what we're going to do, she'll say, Grandma, those are your options. And I figure I need to make a wise choice. Why is choosing wisely, though, something that we need to learn? Why doesn't it just come naturally to us? Well, it's because we have two choices. The other one is folly. How many of you are familiar with the book In Praise of Folly by Erasmus of Rotterdam? Anybody? Oh, I thought I'd have some crazy biblical scholar in here. Well, it was written about 500 years ago, and it was on the top 10 list at the time. So um, you missed out on something. It's a satirical piece attacking the abuses of the church and the state under the mask of folly. Folly chastises human beings for their follies and excesses. Folly asserts that it's far better to be foolish than wise. She claims power over humans who are weak-willed. That book was written about our second choice, folly. These there are similarities between these two women. Folly, like wisdom, is also on the heights overlooking the city. One is not easier to see or hear than the other, but there is a choice to be made. Folly, too, invites those who lack good judgment. She sits in her doorway, calling out to whoever is passing by. There is a graciousness and an openness to wisdom, but there seems to be a desperation and darkness to folly. She is luring people in using deceit, she is an imitation of wisdom. She has a house, but we're not told that there are any columns and we don't know who built it, but it seems less stable. They both offer a meal, but again, Follies is a poor imitation of wisdoms. Wisdom offers meat and wine, and Folly offers bread and water. 
certainly a lesser meal, just like a lesser life. Just as wisdom gives us eyes to see what is good, folly blinds our eyes to see what is really good. Folly tries to trick the passers-by by saying that stolen water is sweet and food eaten in secret is really the best. She's not offering living water or the bread of life. This last verse here tells us that her meal is a meal that leads to death. Her previous guests are in the depths of the grave. Wow, what a sight. That would make a great horror movie. These two women have very different images. We get a really different sense of who they are from this. So why do we choose folly? Folly kind of sounds more like fun, doesn't it? Folly is instant gratification. It's settling for less with the promise of it being better. We say, live it up, or you only live once, just to justify folly. We lose our eternal perspective, and we live in the moment. Wisdom kind of seems boring. It seems like choosing wisdom means losing out on all the fun. That's where the knowledge of God is forgotten. For me, the times that I have chosen folly, it's because I believed God was keeping something from me. My view of God was wrong. God's not trying to keep something good from me. He's trying to keep something evil from me, something that imitates the real thing. I have a story to illustrate this. When I was five, my mom was baking a chocolate cake, and you all know how I love cake. Well, she was mixing the batter in the mixer, and don't we all love to taste the batter of the cake? So I asked her for a taste, and she said, no, you wouldn't like it. I thought, really? I've been around a while. I know that cake batter tastes amazing. So I kept asking her, I just want a taste. And she kept saying, Julie, you're not going to like it. Finally, after hounding her, she stuck her finger in the batter and stuck her finger in my mouth, and it was horrible. I gagged on it. I ran down the hall, rinsed my mouth out. Well, she didn't tell me that she was using unsweetened chocolate and had not added the sugar yet. It was really, really bad. I came back, I was so mad at her, like it was her fault. And she said she tried to warn me that I wasn't going to like it and I wouldn't listen. I didn't choose wisely. Now, I'm not comparing my mom to God, but if we understand who God is and we trust him to know what's best for us, we are going to choose wisely. My mom knew I would not like what I was asking her for. And I have to say, I did tend to listen to her a little more after that, probably till I was six, maybe. I don't know. The fear of the Lord, or recognition of who God is, is the beginning of wisdom. It allows us to make good choices. Wisdom has an eternal perspective, and folly has a temporary perspective. Aren't we tempted every single day with things and experiences that seem good but are an imitation of what is really good and life-giving 
It's when I stop trusting God that I choose folly. Well, I want you to look at these two tables. Look at the details of this table. Kind of look at all of it. And now look at the next table. They look similar, don't they? But there are some differences. This table isn't as neat and tidy as the first one. There's food that's kind of spilled over on the dishes. It looks like it's probably partially eaten. These are the tables, the difference between wisdom and folly. They look very similar, but when you look at the details, they are offering something quite different. A wise person's life is to dwell in wisdom's house where there is ample provisions and life in contrast with the house that folly has offered, lesser things, and actually death. We settle for the here and now, or the haphazard stolen meal, a meal that folly has deceitfully prepared to look like what is good enough to be like wisdom's. Choosing between wisdom and folly is not a one-time thing. We make that choice every day, all day long. I struggle with that, and I'm sure you do too. Choosing unwise words, unwise attitudes, unwise relationships. I know they're unwise when I realize that they are not life-giving, or at least it was short-lived. Folly gives us a temporary fix. Wisdom has an eternal effect. Which is more appealing to you, wisdom or folly? Maybe you have difficulty telling them apart. Like me, that cake batter looked exactly the same as when it tasted good. Is there a situation in your life right now where you need God's wisdom. You know, there are times when we ask for wisdom and he's already set the table and offered it, but we don't want to partake in it. Not acting on his wisdom is also folly. And do you have a healthy fear of God or do you see him as somebody to be scared of who's out to get you, who wants to keep good things from you? Can you let go of control, knowing that he does have your best interest at heart, so that you can begin to choose wisely and really live? And how have you been taken in by folly and settled for a less-than-life? Has folly helped you justify a selfish attitude, a bad habit, has she convinced you to take the easy way out? Has she persuaded you to not look out for other people's interests, but to look out for number one? These verses from the book of James tells us what we will look like to other people if we are living wisely. I'm going to read these for us. It says, if you are wise and understand God's ways, Prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. But 
If you are bitterly jealous and there is selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting and lying. For jealousy and selfishness are not God's kind of wisdom. Such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For whatever for wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure. It is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. Is that what people see in your life? Do they see true wisdom that comes from God? Or do they see folly? It's an interesting question to think about. What you display during the day through your actions and your words and your attitude. It's a challenge for us to choose wisdom and recognize folly for what it is an imitation of what wisdom can be. Please pray with me. Lord, we ask for your wisdom today as we desire to understand and walk in your ways. May our actions be pure and reflect who you are to those you put in our path. God, help us to recognize folly for what it is and choose to leave our simple ways behind and live the full and abundant life you offer us. Open our eyes to ways we have been taken in by folly so that we can choose wisely. Thank you, God, that we do not do this on our own, but we do this through the power of your Holy Spirit and your presence in our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.